Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts oh my god that's it, right there. Scranton, the electric city. It's been seven years since the office finale aired. And we had the Scranton rap party here. I haven't been back since. Really, in exploring anything about the office, I felt like it was important to come back here to Scranton. It's not really where it all started, but it somehow feels like it's where it all started. My name is Michelle Dempsey, and I'm a co-chair of the Office Convention and the Office Wrap Party. My name is Tim Holmes. I'm a co-chair of the Office Convention and the Office Wrap Party. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new and very close to my heart episode of The Office Deep Dive. I am your host. Brian Baumgartner. Now, I, I thought we could do something a little bit different today. 
All right. Something very special. If you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I just got back from my book tour. And let me tell you, it was freaking incredible. All right. I went all the way back to Scranton, Pennsylvania, the electric city, the hometown of the office. And I'm not even making this up. I left Scranton with an honorary certificate in Scrantology from the University of Scranton. I'm a doctor as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I think I am the only person to have ever been bestowed with such an honor. So take that, everybody else. Uh, Now, as an honorary Scrantonian, I thought I would take you back to Scranton with me and introduce you to some of the amazing people I have met in the town. I really have not felt more welcome from any town or any group of people ever. Scranton has become my second home, and it is all because of the people. I am so excited to introduce you to two such people, the incredible Tim Holmes and Michelle Dempsey. These two were responsible for the office convention in 2007 and the rap party in 2013. If you read our book or listened to the podcast, you know how special those events were. Tim and Michelle's love for the show and for their town, Scranton, is so big that they volunteered to co-chair all of these spectacular office events. They have done an amazing job every single time I have come, and they have made those experiences extra special, not just for me, but for everyone else who was there. Along with the rest of the town, they keep the show's legacy going, and I could not be more grateful. So, on this very special edition of the podcast, please give a warm Scrantonian welcome to the true keepers of the office, Tim Holmes, Michelle Dempsey, and all of the people of Scranton. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. I was driving down the highway here and we got off and there was the mural there. Yeah. I started, no joke, I started getting emotional. Aww. That's fantastic. <laughs> when I just, like, just saw the yeah. sign. Honest to God, when Scranton heard you were coming, you felt the electricity surge through the city. <laughs> oh, no, come on. I am not kidding. Are you, every, I, my phone hasn't stopped ringing. I'm sure Tim's been the same for way. Sure, for it sure. has been, and everybody and anybody who thinks they might be, you know, they, it has just been on fire, like, oh in Fuego God. since you're. Since your tweet, Since <laughs> we my, were trying, oh my we were tweet. Trying, yeah, we were trying to keep we it under wraps. We were keeping the genie right? in the bottle as yeah. much as we could. We're like, <laughs> let's let them. Yeah, and then your tweet went out. Away. We're like, okay, it's on. <laughs> well, John just kind of he was because I talked to him yesterday, and then he was like, "Will you send me a photo? Will you send yeah. me a photo?" And I sent John the picture, and the true story is, I like put my phone in my pocket, and then it like buzzes what seems like fourteen seconds later. And it's, I don't know if you guys remember Steve 
socks. I think he was here at the rap party. He was like the longtime stand-in, like like he was like Steve's stand-in or my anyone's stand-in on the show. And I look at my phone, I'm like, Steve socks. And he goes, hey, if you're with Krasinski, tell him he owes $100 for the fantasy football buy-in this year. <laughs> because he's like the commissioner. And I'm like, how does he know I'm with Krasinski? And then suddenly my phone went like, you're with John? Tell him this. You're blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. He posted it like so quickly after he got his hands on Pretty it. nimble fingers, I guess. Yeah. Now, how did you first find out about The Office? Well, I was a huge fan of the British version of The Office. Okay. Right. So when I heard that The Office was coming to America, yay. And then when I heard it was Scranton, I actually panicked. Right? You panicked? I panicked. I was. I went. I, I didn't know the mayor well, but I like like marched to City Hall like, this is not a good thing. This is not a good thing. Because Slough, they are not kind to Slough in that right. show. And the mayor was trying to turn Scranton around, and we were on this upswing. And, and so I thought, you know, do – Slough was really the road to nowhere right. in that show. And um, and Chris Doherty, who's the mayor at the time, he's like, well, I talked to Greg Daniels, and who's the creator of the American version. And he said, he's, you know, it's, it'll be different. Like, he's going to be good to the city. And I took a deep breath, like, okay, that sounds good. And <laughs> I hope this Greg Daniels <laughs> is everything he told you he is. And, like, could I think higher of Greg Daniels? I don't think so. Like, he... He made Scranton like another quirky, lovable character on the show, right? He he captured the essence of who we are. And that, you know, to me is important because it's forever changed the perception on the outside. It finally let people – like the perception wasn't what it, the reality was to us. And now they match, right? Like right. the perception is the reality. And the office was the springboard for that. Like it really had an impact on Scranton, like huge. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit, but – there is the before the office and after the office for Scranton and for when you leave Scranton and tell people where you're from. Right. What used to happen is like, I'd say I'm from Scranton. People would be like, oh, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like really. Right. And I always, I never knew what they were sorry about because I always loved it here and thought it was a great place. But um, now it's, I'm from Scranton. It's like, I love the office. And it's your instant bond across the world with everybody. And you'll hear from all these people, the connections and the the love and the 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 interesting moments that they've had outside of the area telling people that they're from Scranton. Right. And I think there's a cool story about how uh, Greg picked Scranton, too, that folds into paper. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, actually, Tim tells this better than I do. So so this is Greg's words, not ours, and we're obviously paraphrasing, but it is our understanding that he chose, you know, basically, when he's looking where he's going to do it, philosophically speaking, it's a, it's a satellite brand, so it's got to be a kind of a smaller city, uh, he felt the, it had uh, East Coast sensibility. So yes. he was kind of looking at the East Coast. Uh, when he decided the home office would be in New York City, he began to look at cities with, with, a, with, with a which in might be a two-hour driving distance. So he looks at Scranton, Pennsylvania, Stanford, Connecticut, Utica, New York, Nashua, New Hampshire. These may all sound familiar because they all wind up being right, other the branches. branches. Yeah. And uh, so and that's when he sends out these teams to go check out. And Johnny K happens to be one of them coming into Scranton. So, it, you know, from what we understand, there was a lot of little happy circumstances. Because yes. it wasn't only pen paper. There was another place here called Paper Magic, which is also a place that John visited. And Paper Magic is the one that had a, it, like, Greg remembers getting a greeting card that had paper yeah, a paper magic, Scranton PA. So he kind of had that in mind. 
you know, and he's, he, he did say, you know, he might've just been being nice to us, but he felt Scranton was kind of the one to beat because he felt it was a big enough name just because of how big we were during the right. industrial revolution and a bunch of things, you know, it's, yeah. for a little town, we have a big name, um, you know, and ultimately everything fell into place and it, and it worked out wonderfully for the show, for us, for everybody involved. Paper yeah. Magic makes all those Valentines that you used to give out in grade school. Oh, in grade right? school. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. They all said Paper Magic Scranton PA on the back, all of them. <laughs> wow. And he remembered yeah. that. So it was a confluence of things, right? And that yes. was one of them. Yes. And he also thought the name Scranton was a funny thing to say. It is. And, and it is. There's and, a yeah. lot of consonants all in a row. Yeah. But you it, know. It, it works around in your mouth a little bit. Yeah. And so that's that was the one thing. And if you're from that's here, great. you don't pronounce the T. Right. Scranton. 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 Right. So. So you. All right. So you. um you were born here. I was born here. Yeah. So that was how I heard about the office. And then probably a few years into the show, I have an architecture firm and I was at work and I opened up my web browser and there was just an article, you know, they all populate. There was an article about Preston, Idaho, getting this little economic boom from people who were fans of the cult classic, like the cult movie, um, Napoleon Dynamite, okay. going there to see all the sites. And I was like, we're the fictional home of Dunder Mifflin, right? <laughs> right. Like, that seems like cooler. Um, we should invite everybody to come here and like have like invite the actors to come here and see the city and show people what it's like here. And they'd have a great time. They'd meet with the fans. The city, you know, would be on display. It'd be a win-win-win, which is what we ultimately for sure. That's that's what we ultimately pitched, right? Right. Like the win-win-win. Right. But that's where the idea came from, and it literally went nowhere. And this is where Tim comes. It went nowhere. I I met with like three groups of people until somebody was finally like, I have to introduce you to Tim Holmes. <laughs> right? Okay. Right? I, I didn't know you. At, we did not we didn't know, know each other yeah. at all, which is crazy to think of a time I didn't know Tim and the Holmes family. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, and so we were introduced, and Tim instantly saw the, you know, he was, got it. Yep. All right, here's what we're going to do. And then he went into Tim mode, right? Right, <laughs> like, right. Now, did you and, know the show? Were you watching the show at so this I point? So I was definitely familiar with it but i wasn't as immersed in it as michelle was right so i certainly saw the value in it but it uh it was definitely something that we were all beginning to see license plates from ontario and south carolina and everything driving through town that doesn't happen in scranton right but it began to happen and we're all like yeah i guess what you're saying michelle is making an awful lot of sense so and like we were doing things and just to be clear tim worked for the local newspaper and i was an architect we had no background in anything like this okay like like tim did planning events sure, locally right sure. so he knew how to put an event together but this was going to be bigger than anything i think he'd ever sure. done right and so here i am an architect and he's a marketing guy we come up with this big idea we got all these partners on board i remember at one point then then we had to go through everybody's act like agents and managers mm -hmm. right like right. for everybody i'm calling i'm like i don't Okay. Hello. Hi. I'm representing like <laughs> the office convention, right? I'm 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 putting together contracts. I'm like I'm like I'm like what am I doing? Staring like, at a white piece yes, of paper. <laughs> I'm like, I, right. this is a, and it, I'm like negotiating. Like this was crazy. We had to do it all, right? Yeah. It was like Tim and I had to do all of that. It was, it was completely just homegrown, everything. which is exactly why I think Greg liked it because yeah. he could see it wasn't like some outside group that was coming in and trying to monetize this thing. It was not set up to be a you know, a for-profit thing, which is why you guys gave us a break on town fees and, you know, <laughs> and they helped with travel and all this other kind of stuff. They could see right from the get-go that it was it was a partnership 
the partnership was with the city of Scranton. It was with the county. It was with the Visitors Bureau. We weren't selling, you know, sponsorships where you had to put a shirt on that said somebody Sunoco. <laughs> you know, like, right, we right, weren't right. going to, you know, we knew enough not to do any of that stuff. And I think, uh, you know, we would have conversations with Joanne Park and the you know, NBC Universal folks. And, and truly, they were kind of put. They were put on the screen. They were the gatekeepers. They were yeah. The ones, yeah. They, they didn't open the door to the producers of the show and to Greg until they realized we really had something that they're like, okay, I think these guys have their stuff together. Right. right. So we're going to now make this connection. Um, because we had to dream up the entire, like all the, the Office Olympic Games, the writer's block, like that just came out of our heads, right? Sure. That was like well, we had a sitting great around with a little. It was maybe group, about yeah. seven or eight of yeah. us that did it. Uh, Tucker has Matt Smith, you know. Eric Duffy and all these guys were building our websites and everything. Uh, it, all of that stuff was critical because they all played a certain role in it. And then all the partners, the University of Scranton and all these guys tapping into all that. But once we had it all, yeah, one of these conference calls, we had already had a number of them. But I later found out that at one of the big ones, when they were deciding whether we're in or out, uh, Ken Zabornak had told me when he came to Scranton that he was listening in on the one. <laughs> and he just truly was... Yeah looking to hear if we're just a bunch of fangirls or we're going to lose our minds when you guys get to right. town or if we're actually going to hold this together and keep you guys safe and have it lined up with the University of Scranton Police and, you know, and the Scranton Police and the State Police and the Marshal's office. Like Michelle's brother-in-law, is a he's a FBI agent who works here in downtown Scranton. <laughs> right, we right. had all of that. But it's such a small town, you can do something. And our whole pitch to Greg was, you know, office fans are are unique. They, they need to come together, like a la Star Trek convention. But it can't be done in L.A. It cannot no. be done in New York. Right. Has it be. has to be done in Scranton. Because it was such a part of the show. It's such a part. It's and, a character And interesting, in the show. afterwards became even more a part of the show, which I thought was was interesting because Greg had the foresight to bring the writers here too. Everyone. But, of but the I think, but not to get ahead, I think, so here we have, we've like sort of put this this agenda together. We have this thing. The only thing we didn't have were the actors. <laughs> right. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent 
telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You and Angela had come in like that in May, May mm-hmm. to to say, "Hey, we're gonna there's gonna the office convention." Like you, you sort of generously because at the time all this could have backfired, right? Right. Like kind of put yourselves out in front, but come like a month before, still there was nobody officially signed up to come. Right. right? It was one and month we to were, the day that we got our first <laughs> actual contract. We, we were panicking. <laughs> we we're like, we're gonna have a party no matter what. And I remember you called me. You did, right, Brian? And you called me one night. You're like, how's it going? And I was like, well, you know, it's going pretty well. I'm trying to, like, keep up the front. I'm like, yeah, it's going pretty well. You know, all the planning seems to be happening. You know, we got this, that, got that. And, um, yeah, we just uh, – we don't have any the actors yet. <laughs> and you said something that made my stomach drop first. You said, I just want to start by apologizing. I'm just so sorry. And I was like, <sighs> and I'm like, okay, it's cool. Um, trying to keep up, you know, the front again. And you're like, I, I've talked to my people. And um, 
I can I could only convince thirteen of them to go. <laughs> I think I I'm pretty sure I started crying on my end of the phone. Right, I was like so emotional. I don't even know what I said after that. I just lost it, and I was like, because that was then I knew it was gonna happen. It was gonna be this thing, and it was gonna be unprecedented. And it, you know. That was everything that moment to me with, oh with you on the phone. Gosh. It was just too much. It was awesome. So just to put a timeline on this. So this is 2006. So you're already in season three at this point. We hosted it in October, late October. But that was, we all remember that day yeah, when you're like, okay. we got 12. Now the beauty of that, so you may remember that none of the Fab Four could make it that year. Right. So Steve, John, Jenna, and, uh, and Rain could not make it. You know, just conflicts and all that other kind of stuff. What we felt from the very beginning is that, was that convention perfect. was so special because yeah. it celebrated the ensemble cast. Yeah. It, right. Everybody yeah. else was there. All the writers were there. Oh, so awesome. it really, you know, we, you know, we're glad that we didn't want people Jenny to Tan be distracted. Jenny Tan was there, like Tanster was there. But we, you know, we were able to build it and get our hands around it. You know, and the people who were there were truly office fans. You know, they Real weren't forty-year-old virgin fans; yeah. they were office fans. Yeah. Right, and that was why that the first one was so special. And it was packed. It was packed. packed I was right? actually there. Yes, and yeah. it was packed. <laughs> and I thought, like, it was one of the moments to me because I was up in the balcony, kind of looking down and just enjoying it so much. And each writer told what episode that they wrote, and and people were like cheering for the episodes. Like I, you know, I did the the Baconator with the George Foreman girl that was Mindy <laughs> right. Dowling. And, but the cool moment too was at the end, first everybody was so into it, but then at the end they they did a little clip of a piece of a show that hadn't been seen yet. And the crowd got to watch it live. And yep. the actor or the writers later told us they'd never like, they'd never gotten to see the fans watch the show. Like a reaction. And, and get the reaction right, in real time. Right. And that that was like a, a really cool moment for them to to hear them laughing where they hoped they would get a laugh and like just so appreciating the beauty and the joy of it, you know? Well, I remember, yeah, I remember, I mean, from my side, and I don't even think that I was aware that it was like a tryout, <laughs> but I remember coming there was this brunch and I remember Tim saying, yeah, you know, this was like for VIP things and, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how many people are going to be there, but you know, then we've got this, 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 and Angela and I show up and I don't know if you remember this, but like something happened and we were walking into a room that was way over fire code <laughs> capacity of people and us walking in and like, you just, you like, you feel a wave of heat from bodies <laughs> it just walking into this room. And I like, I remember like my breath, like <laughs> being taken away and like, where the fuck am I? Oh, and we can say that on yeah. this? Yeah, I can say whatever we want. I can say whatever I want. And I, and I, I, I mean, I will never, I will never forget. I mean, I'll, I will tell you right now, there was a plan in place of the VIP and they were going to, be able to have a picture with us. And then so many people came in, you were like, okay, so here's the plan. You're going <laughs> to go around to each table. And they were like banquet tables yeah, of yeah. like 10 or yeah, 12 people. Yeah. You're going to go around to each table and you're going to say hi to each table. And then they'll take a picture with you. And then you'll move around to the next table. And what happened was there were so many people that you, you began, I mean, this is a hundred percent what happened. <laughs> people started thinking they're not going to get to us. Like they're going to leave before it's our turn. And so then 
the plan went awry. <laughs> and everybody stood up and started just like descending into this corner. And I had Jen Garrity. Police officer. Police, police officer, <laughs> Jen Garrity. She's awesome. Four foot ten. <laughs> and I was told could take me over her back if she needed to For and sure like body slam me. <laughs> um and I remember I was taking napkins off the table because it was so hot and there were so many people and I was like wiping sweat <laughs> off my face and she's like her eyes are big like whoa and I turned around to her at one point and I said okay and I I mean you have to understand I'm just a theater guy from Atlanta Georgia like I, this is I was like what is going on You're I turned to her at one point I looked I looked in her eyes and I said okay I just I need I need to make sure you know you're watching my back because I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to make it out of here. If I know you got my back, we're good. Um, and just that whole trip, the, um, you know, the roof party and everything. So when we came, you had this idea to do the convention. And then we came and it was clearly, I mean, I feel, feel like even then it was surprising passing your expectation were you surprised by people's reaction or was that had you come to know that this was how it was going to be i think from your visits we knew if everybody came it would be something epic it was even more epic it was just beyond like you can't imagine those things right like right. You, even when you try it's like it just because there are so many stories from that visit so the Today Show came, right, and they filmed uh, live at the University of Scranton. And then we're realizing that you know, everybody thinks actors are, like, otherworldly and kind of whatever. And because we had this, Tim and I had this sort of backstage access, we're realizing, my God, they're just people. who, right. And this is kind of new to them too, right? So Phyllis was getting ready with, with Stanley to go out and be interviewed yeah. by, by Al Roker. And, um, and on the, when she came out, uh, the, the crowd went insane, insane, ins insane, and she got very emotional right. because she'd never felt any like that. Like, I, wasn't she one of the people who helped casting? Yeah, yeah. she, yeah, yeah, she, she started out in casting, wasn't an actor, and Ken Quapas and Greg Daniels and everybody just thought, well, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for real people, and uh, yeah, she got cast. So she was here since yeah. she was feeling this reaction. And yeah. Right. She was one of the first famous faces the kids saw. So like that was, you guys had come on a Thursday night, Friday night, we're about to go live. It's a three day convention. And again, this is October, 2006 season three. Uh, so we have, we all stay out way too late Thursday night. So <laughs> right. you guys all come to town. It was I don't Darryl's know. Birthday. It was Craig Robinson's yeah. birthday. Craig Robinson. Sorry, Craig Robinson. So we, <laughs> You know, we say at what was Whistle's Pub back in the day, and we're doing karaoke, which just wound up being a wild night. Uh, so now it's, we've got to be here at like six in the morning because we're going live with local TV stations. So the students at the University of Scranton, about 4,000 of them camped outside. Yeah, <laughs> so they before. are yeah. waiting all night long for this, and they are losing their minds. And uh, so it's when we're pulling, you know, out of the, out of kind of the staging area, we're pulling Phyllis out of there. She is like, if you remember, she had like a cane. She had hurt her ankle her that week. Yeah. So she has like this cane and she has her purse on her arm. Like she's just like right. going to the store. And as we're walking out the door, it's like go time. We're going to be live in about 15 seconds. She starts reaching in her purse to get out a camera to take a picture for her mom. Oh, yeah. Again, that's 
that's the part yeah. that she's a regular person, yeah. you know? And right. so I like grab the camera over and I'm like, I'll take pictures for your mom. You got to get on national TV. So it's just those experiences. But everyone, you know, every one of the folks, Ed Helms is a young guy, never been in the hangover. Like people don't know who he is. Right. And we have him playing a banjo at the bog, which yeah. is legitimately about 300 square feet. Right, right, right. right. So many things that happen. But I remember, um, we were actually in this room, I think, or no, it was the, the, another building at yep, the U, the and uh, we had fireworks going off, and it was a, another really nice event. But a gentleman came over to me, and he said, "Are you Michelle Dempsey?" And I said, "Yes." And he's like, "I'm like, who are you?" And it was Greg Daniels' dad, and I was like, "Oh!" And he told me that, and I'm like, "He knows my name. He knows my name." Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, like get, catching my breath, right? And he's like, he's like, I just want to let you know that I've been to. And Oscars, and I've been to an Emmys, and I, you know, I've been to a Super Bowl. Super he's like, he's like, and this is the best party I've ever been to. This this weekend is best. Now it was in his son's honor, and like, you know, maybe right, there's a little right bias there, in that, yes. right? But but like for us, I think that moment was like, wow, like this did happen, and it came together, and people are, are enjoying it. And then the letters we got afterwards from the fans who came that would just melt your heart about how it was the best weekend of their lives or, you know, people who came here who, you know, were special needs or whatever, who got to meet their their heroes, right? Like it it really was for some people they had the best day weekend of their lives in Scranton because of the office. The press was also a great thing. So you talked about the letters we received and everything. You know, we got we were in the China Times, like the, it got on the AP wire. It was a sweetheart of a story. So it was in every newspaper in the nation, Friends you know, back when people read newspapers, it was in, uh, I forget what paper, but one of them said that it was like a Star Trek convention with girls. <laughs> so, but it just, it was just great group of people. Everybody was happy. Now, fast forward to 2013 with the rap party. That was bananas. That was it. <laughs> Everybody came for that. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. 
The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How did you feel when you found out the show was ending? Oh, of course, bittersweet, right? It, it felt like it had this amazing, like you can't, if you go on too long, it's like knowing when to end, I guess, is as important as anything else, right? Um, so it was like sad, but oh my God, the way the show ended was so, there's not a show in, in anywhere in, in TV history that ended more beautifully, in my personal opinion, than, than The Office. And there's big endings that you yeah. can talk about, but this was, this was yeah, fantastic awesome so it was so we just i think i texted um it's time and you were like let's go or something it was like a real nice little we were both like, almost like kismet like the same moment saying we've got to take a deep breath we're gonna do Get it again right? Okay, right right right, <laughs> right so just so you know it didn't that didn't just come out of thin air so as we were wrapping up uh the sunday uh greg daniels you know everybody had already gotten off greg was on one of the last flights out of scranton you know we got to have a moment with him where we just said, you know, hey, this was awesome. You're welcome to do this anytime you want. <laughs> Come on back. If we can't do something like this every year, every year, 
just at least consider doing a rap party here, you know, and just instead of going wherever you would normally go, just get on an airplane, party at 30,000 feet, and let's just do it here. And instead of this crazy three-day thing, let's cram it into one super awesome day. Because we already knew once it had started, that it was way too big and unwieldy. We already knew that. You know, just uh, when I went out and I, I met with Steve Carell, he was talking, he's like, I'd love to be in a parade in Scranton. I hear you have a big parade. Right? And he wanted to be in the a Coffee Cup World's Best Boss Coffee oh, Cup. Right? Right. I'm like, Steve yeah. Carell, you want a parade in Scranton? You've got a parade in Scranton. You just say the word. And we did. We had a parade. Right. We had it all mapped out. It was a perfect, like, four-block parade to this awesome thing we had set up right at Courthouse Square. And everybody is off on the streets, easily 20,000 people on the streets and a, on a, just a very small area. And uh, so we, everything is looking good. I take a nice little picture of the parade route. We've got everybody in these beautiful open cars and everything. First guy we have going down is Craig Robinson. And he is on, you know, on the back of this pickup truck and he just starts dancing. He's got his arms <laughs> waving and he starts waving the crowd to come in. To come in. You're too far away. Come on. Oh <laughs> That's how it happened. Gosh. Gosh. Awesome. Love. Total control. I the parade didn't know that. It was Craig. Oh my <laughs> And then gosh. the whole the entire length of the parade route all collapsed on the parade. So we were literally Elbowing eighteen-year-old girls away from <laughs> John oh Krasinski, <laughs> but Steve Carell, we could have never protected him. <laughs> it was just the, again the whole thing that that evening, and just the the genuine smiles on the faces of everybody. Yes, there. the fans could not. I mean, I think they lost their mind. Like they For they sure. couldn't have if you. That is what happiness looks like. That's what joy looks like. That stadium <laughs> is like what joy looks like if you get joy to see it, right? right? And and everybody's faces were just lit up. Like yep. and including Steve's. He came out and hit the he just you could tell even at that level of fame, he genuinely appreciates. Yeah. That those people were there, you know, yeah, to for sure. to 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 appreciate the body of work that was created, you know, and, 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 and you guys as individual actors and your extreme and massive talent that brings, I don't, I was thinking about it the other night cause I went home and I was, I, you know, it doesn't matter how your day is. You put the office on and you're going to smile and you're going to laugh. You know, for me, I, I adopted two boys three years ago from Kyrgyzstan. So they came over, they spoke Russian, not a word of English. And, um, we were still using translators. Um, and my older son, started watching The Office, probably because it was in my saved programs, right? And he just started binging it. And I'm like, well, maybe there's a little inappropriate here and there, but he didn't, what's he going to know, right? <laughs> like, like, let him watch it, right? right? And um, one day I'm sort of sitting there watching it with him, and he's laughing at the jokes. He's laughing at all the right, not just the slapstick, he's laughing at right. all the right spots. And I'm like, he can't talk to me yet, but he knows what's happening here, right? Right. And I'm like, so he probably knows when I say clean your room too, but like, you know. <laughs> right? But it was it the the appeal was so uni like what is that? I don't know. Like it's I, I can't see it ever ending because for sure it just it's timeless. Yeah, it is timeless. Well, Ken today was talking about. I said, what has the office done for Scranton or? Why is the office so special or why is that bond there? And he just very plain spoken said, well, what is your life and your career since the office? And I said, well, it's completely and totally changed me and, and people's perception of me. And he said, yeah, that's, that's the town too. And 
can't explain it is it makes no sense to me <laughs> i'm a guy from georgia that now lives in california but the the bond that i feel to this place It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it truly makes no sense. I am telling you, I, I said this when you got here, like you are, your love is so, it's so real. It's so felt by us. And I think maybe you're, you're feeling that genuine love that people have for you here. Cause it is, it's as real as it, as it gets for someone that you didn't grow up with who wasn't in your family. Do you know what I mean? Right, but for they, sure. They feel your your love. We feel your love for us, a town that wasn't loved for a long time, right? And yeah. you came here and you're like, I, I'm, this, is, this is part of me now, you know? And we get it and we love it. Yeah. But the two of you and the initiative you showed and how respectful – you were of the show as we tried to be of Scranton, your love of the place and how hard I know you worked. <laughs> the show was a little engine that could, terrible ratings. <laughs> uh, we were trying to do something new and different. And, you know, my, my last impression or memory from the office convention was, you know, they said yes but did they think it was going to be a success? And all I remember is we had a three-day convention and NBC sent only one semi-truck of merchandise down. <laughs> and by halfway through the first day, oh, God. everything gone. was gone. Oh, gone. And I think we were under, <laughs> underestimated. You guys were underestimated and our fans were, were underestimated in a way. And you guys will always have huge love in my heart and appreciation for the two of you and what what you did for us. I just want to thank you. Thank that you. is wonderful. Oh. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Yeah. And as we said, uh, without your connection, it never happens. And uh, we all pass this way but once. And at the, you know, my parents are in a nursing home right now and they look back and look at the fun times in their lives. We'll all be doing that soon enough. And those real connections that you create is all that matters. You know, and and this has been wonderful. I, I said to um, to Greg after after I think after the original convention, I said, I said thank you for the rocking chair stories. You know, these <laughs> are experiences and memories. When I'm an old lady on the rocking chair in the old folks' home, I'll be still be telling people about until they don't want to hear it anymore. I'm like, it's still good though, and uh, and so we have these rocking chair stories now, thanks to the office, thanks to Greg's risk taking belief in us, and we always tell people who ask us. Like these characters you love, they deserve your love because as people, they're the exact same. It's like you you are just salt to the earth, amazing, wonderful people too. And um, and so where maybe I'll end it is sort of what I heard um, Steve Carell say to uh, a little group of people at the rap party. Um, he said, don't be sad it's over. Be happy it happened. And when I'm on my rocking chair, I'm going to feel about my life too, right? And this is something I'll always, you know, these, these, events and even these conversations like the office gave us this and uh you just that's priceless Amen well that. thank you guys thank you. so much yeah. no and thank you for coming and talking to me <laughs> and being so open thank and letting so me much. letting <laughs> me come back again i uh, so so appreciate you are it yeah. always welcome all right <laughs> 
got a little emotional there at the end. Thank you, Tim and Michelle. Uh, I love you. Thank you for being so open with us. And, and thank you, Scranton, for always welcoming me home. Uh, but before I wrap this episode up, I, I just want to give a shout out to a few of the other folks who made my last trip to Scranton so special. First, I want to thank Ken, the limo guy, who that's he's my go-to driver in Scranton and always makes sure I get to all of the planned destinations on time or at least fashionably late. To Mayor Paige Gephardt Cognetti and to the Scranton Police Department, especially my dear old friend Jen Garrity for keeping us safe. The University of Scranton, who not only bestowed my new certificate in Scrantology, but also helped us organize the Q&A and the book signing for hundreds of students who, might I add, waited for hours in the rain. Thank you to the president, Reverend Joseph Marina, the executive director of conferences and event services, Franny Mancuso, the director of news and media relations, Stan Zygmunt, the vice president for student life, Bobby Davis, and the director of the Center for Health, Education, and Wellness, Stephanie Adamek, who very kindly volunteered to moderate the Q&A. The bookstore staff, Lisa Mikhailo and Wayne Beach, who stocked over a thousand books for us. Also, a big thank you to the students who helped organize the event and to all the fans who attended. Next, my people from Cooper's. Cooper's Seafood House. Big thanks to Jack, Paul, Mark, Ryan, the whole gang. You opened your doors for hundreds of fans who wanted to get their books signed, including the bride that I mentioned in the preface of the book. To Patrick and Billy Nasser, Tony Potus, Eric Miller, the whole crew at Backyard Ale House for, well, the most unforgettable after party ever in the world where I tended bar into the wee hours of the night. It is, without a doubt, my favorite pub in the entire world. Finally, one more giant thank you to Tim and Michelle and their families for greeting me with open arms and making my trips back home to Scranton so special. So to everyone listening, I'm telling you, the next time you're in Scranton, all right, you have to check out each and every one of their establishments, get the full office experience, and you will get a big Scranton welcome. And listen, just tell them Brian sent you. I hope you all have a fantastic Tuesday. I will see you next week uh, for another special edition of The Office Deep Dive. Where are you guys from? Here. I'm from Texas. Texas? Yeah. I literally watched your show at least 20 times. You're my really? favorite character, and I'm about to cry right now just because I love you so much. I drove all the way from Philly to meet you. I have an interview in the morning, gotta get back to it. My brother got married at the Radisson when the convention was on, and you and Angela came downstairs and you took a picture with him and, my, and his wife. For our wedding, we actually walked into the office theme song. Yeah. I have a tattoo of Jim Halpert when he dresses as Dwight. My mom would not believe this, because she thinks uh, the office is as stupid as show of all time. Uh, please cut that part. I love you. I love the office. Bye, Kevin. You're the best. <laughs> Bean Dad. 
the dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.